Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Raj, with the College Football Insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of our work at textfootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTFCFB. We got some breaking news, obviously. Yes. So I was going to say, I mean, you know, some people may have wondered, oh, why would you take so long to record and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we thought, ah, let's let it simmer for a bit. Let's let it, you know, let's let it cook. We can finally talk about and give our analysis and breakdown of Texas's amazing bowl win in the Valero Alamo Bowl. Yeah, yeah. I Biggest mean, news I... to come from that university. Listen, uh, I think that you have to look at what's happened there. And I mean, I think that after after that fantastic bowl performance and looking at the future with Casey Thompson, you got to imagine that they're going to lock up Tom Herman a little longer. Uh, right, you right. Got, of you got to imagine that they're going to get th- Hey, he's 3-0 in the Bowl. okay? I did. I, I mean, hey, this is this is unironic. Uh, Tom Herman is 4-0 in bowl games. So that's a, a little bit of a wild one on the way out. And uh, speaking of which. Tom Herman out, Steve Sarkeesian in. I don't Ugh. think that I, I don't think I would have thought that I would have put those words together <laughs> as, as recently as five minutes before the announcement came out. Yeah, that it, it was it was I mean stunning is like a given. Like yeah. Because Del Conte gave him the, the, I guess, the dreaded vote of confidence. Um, the tepid vote of confidence. Yeah. And, like, because of what we were talking about uh, when the Urban Meyer news was kind of happening, where it's like, would you go through all that trouble to not hire your number one guy? Right. And right. as much as, you know, Steve Sarkeesian might be their unanimous number two guy, <laughs> yeah. um, it was clear they wanted Urban Meyer. And... You know, I guess we can get into it where it's like, I guess we'll, we'll get into the, I guess we can get into the firing first. Before yeah, let's we get start with Tom actual, Herman. Let's, yeah. let's start with Tom Herman. So I think that this move was made because Del Conte looked at the trajectory of the program and he didn't see a way where Tom Herman, one, wasn't going to make 2021 better. Which yep. fair? He's losing. You know, he's using his quarterback, the best quarterback in ten years, and he's banking on a lot of development. Um, and he also saw them losing the recruiting battle even more. Yeah. Tavian Sanders is coming in, but that is pretty much it in terms of like top tier elite in state talent staying home. Um, and he saw there was no way of turning that around, and he decided to make a move. Yeah. So I'm going to read this thread from Brian Davis at the Statesman. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so I got to say, right. So a lot of people after, after what happened and after sort of the, the vote of confidence and all that were like, well, this was just like trickery and words and he always planned to do this. But um, this is just based off of what uh, Crystal Conte told Brian Davis. So he said, Texas AD Crystal Conte tells me tonight that when he made his statement on Tom, he intended on Herman staying as head coach. But as he learned more, quote, circumstances changed. Del Conte, from the time I made my statement, I had not completed my evaluation. When I completed that evaluation, it became apparent a change needed to be made. What happened after statement, six starters opted out of the Alamo Bowl, recruiting class was strength, 17th in the nation, the 2022 class wasn't looking good. Also, some players were doing negative recruiting. So 
it sounds like mm-hmm. you know obviously all these things are always fluid right like mm-hmm. there's there's no such thing as a you are 100% beyond the shadow of a doubt coming back, right? Like that just doesn't exist. That's just not how this works. I mean, I'll tell you what, I I covered Baylor from 2012 to 2016. I know that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think that based off of what Del Conte says, I think that the question was always, if you're going to fire Tom Herman, you got to have the next guy up. Mm-hmm. And um, and one, it seems like this past week was a time that, that happened because, uh, funnily enough, <laughs> I think we're going to look back uh, at this past week as as being obviously a seminal moment in Texas program history because the Rose Bowl was played in Texas. Yeah. So Steve Sarkeesian, the offensive coordinator at Alabama, was able to potentially interview and have a lot of meetings this week with Texas mm-hmm. people because they were in Texas and not in <laughs> California. Um, you know, but the other thing too, right, is that one thing, and, and surprise is probably a too strong a word, right? Like, I think that we had heard a lot and we had heard even from players and all that there was, you know, there were issues in the organization, that there was fracturing, that a lot of, you know, that there were sort of, there was a disconnect between people. But man, there were a lot of former players who came out right away after Tom Herman was fired and just were ecstatic (laughs) oh my quite literally dancing on his grave like it was like absolutely oh my gosh i can you know what what, i think it was chris boyd that i can cheer for my team again or something it was was, uh deshaun elliott deshaun Deshaun elliott yeah um he's like i can cheer for my team again it's like jesus like (laughs) like they it it was uh, like i mean ask any reporter you know i feel like they would they would tell you that you know tom herman wasn't the 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 nicest guy or the easiest guy to get on with and i I didn't but i didn't expect it to like resonate with the players that much yeah um i expected it to be more because i guess that's what you kind of we kind of saw at houston was him being you know one of the guys and like right so i don't know but um it seems that you know his my way or the highway approach just really rubbed guys the wrong way and eventually if you're not winning it, it just you know or at least not winning as much as you could um or should be um that can cause a rift um yeah and i guess like boiling down boiling it all down like that's kind of it it's tom herman was good not great and like it's not because i mean there have been disasters right charlie strong his last year was a disaster he lost to kansas and you know he he, what was it four wins five wins whatever it was um so that was a disaster. Tom Herman wasn't a disaster, but he was like severely good <laughs> and okay. <laughs> and right. eventually, you know, when you're Texas, you want to get a double digit win every once in a while. And like, not just in your second season on a, you know, I don't want to say fluky win over Oklahoma, but like, you know, you ended up losing the big 12 championship to Oklahoma and you get a Georgia team who, you know, you're, you're, you, you end up beating, but okay, cool. And you don't follow that up at all. So it's like, okay, what are you doing? <laughs> right. And I think, I think for, I think for me, I looked at what Tom Herman accomplished on the field mm-hmm. and I thought it was enough to not get fired necessarily. Um, when you hear all this stuff about off the field drama, 
which mm-hmm. which was something that we had obviously heard before. This is not something that just came out of nowhere. But, you know, the, one of the things with the Texas job in general is you never know exactly how much stock to put into that. Because, sure. because everybody's, somebody's always mad. Somebody's mm-hmm. always saying something. <laughs> and, um, you know, one of the funny things about that beat is, uh, you know, and, and one of the reasons, to, <laughs> to be frank, that, you know, we don't, necessarily get into the the weeds of like everybody's politics down there so much is because like everybody talks that you've got mm-hmm. administrators talking you got players talking you got coaches talking and then you have the whole other level of obviously boosters telling you know reporters whatever they they feel at that given moment you know and so it's it's a weird beat and so you don't necessarily know when you hear this stuff how much stock to put into it and uh <clears throat> i think that the last couple of days and some of the statements that have been put out have made it quite obvious that things were not just as bad as some people said that they were, but maybe they were even worse. And Mm -hmm. if that's the case, and we we heard all this stuff, maybe, you know, last year about some of the assistants and stuff, and it seemed like this staff was a little bit more on the same page at least. But if you have these issues with players, if you have these issues with personalities, if you have these issues, uh, obviously on the recruiting trail, I think that that's going to be one of the things um, that people are going to point to most uh, from Tom Herman was these issues late on the recruiting trail. And, um, you know, obviously I think, I think the seminal moment when we kind of knew that Tom Herman could be a goner is when he lost the commitment of 2022 quarterback Quinn Ewers, the number one recruit in America. Yeah. And so I think that, I think that you just start adding all that stuff together and look, I'm not saying that all the reasons are good, but the, the reality is that they happened. And there's a reality that, uh, you know, perception does become reality a lot of the time in, in college football. You know, that there is this idea that if people think that you're a goner, it kind of makes you a goner. And, um, you know, so I think, I think that, the way that it all happened was very weird, but, uh, but again, especially for me more because of these off the field stuff, it makes sense why this happened. For sure. And I think you mentioned the recruiting. I'm actually looking at the 2021 247 right now, uh, in state rankings. And I remember saying, I think in the summer when we were putting the magazine together, I was like, okay, this class is like insanely good for offensive linemen. Yeah. Texas doesn't have a single commit in the top 50 from these linemen. That's crazy. So you, ha- I mean, like, obviously that's a big, the big prize is Tommy Brockermeyer and obviously both Brockermeyer is going to Alabama, but like Bryce Foster, you look at Savion Bird. Again, you got Oklahoma, you got uh, A&M. Like I'm looking at the top, just overall, the top 15, it's Jatavian Sanders and a bunch of A&M, Oklahoma, Alabama. Right. Like they're they're letting him they're letting him get away, and again, you, unless you just pray that you have a Jatavian Sanders every class who's just an insane athlete who just wants to stay and play for Texas, like cool. But you know, eventually you gotta want to go get these guys too. Right. Um, yeah, it, it's that's an oh, man. I mean, I I didn't realize how dire it got on the recruiting trail. Um, and Herman, you know, Herman was kind of blaming the Urban Meyer news. And like, I mean, eventually you just got to, you just got to man up and do this, get this thing done, man. And yeah, I, I think you mentioned it, uh, the decommitment of Quinn Ewers. And consequently, Quinn Ewers then, uh, I mean, he still has another year before he can sign, but committing out of state, like that, that's a huge red flag if I'm Chris Del Conte. It's like, why is this guy 
who, you know, from what we can tell, was a huge Texas fan growing up, um, just saying, yeah, no, I'll, I'll go to Ohio. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's definitely a fair question. And, uh, and look, I think, you know, you mentioned offensive linemen. They have two commits in this class, and neither are four stars, right? Like, neither yeah. of them are blue chip guys. And, and granted, and, 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 and coming from a Notre Dame fan, right, you need blue chips to win in this, in this league. <laughs> and, like, you need these four or five-star linemen. We can talk about, oh, recruiting rankings don't mean yeah. nothing. Alabama and Clemson are winning, and Ohio State are winning because they're getting four or five-star guys. You need these guys. Yeah, and, and I think that the big thing that you obviously have to say, right, is that it's not that, for example, right, like let's, let's look at their quote-unquote lowest-rated kid, Max Merrill, sure. a kid from Strake Jesuit, right? Sure. Uh, you know, not a, not a top 1,000 kid uh, in, in the 247. That doesn't mean that Max Merrill is not going to be a good player, sure. right? That's right. not at all what that means. What it means, though, is that you have to hit – on mm-hmm. every single one of these guys as being underrated, as opposed to, hey, you know what? It, it's not that, uh, that it was any guarantee that Kenyon Green was going to be amazing, right? Like, that's, mm-hmm. that's no lock just because he's a five-star. But a bunch of people looked at him and said, that might be a great player. <laughs> right. It, but what we knew is that he was giant, strong, and can move really well, and that's a damn good start. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, he, he already had the things that you hope that an offensive lineman can have. Like that's that's fundamentally what it is, and and like you mentioned, it's really that recruiting in the trenches. I think that uh, that sort of separates the big programs from the the very good programs. You know, because I mean, I'll tell you what. You know, from from again being at Baylor in the in the mid uh, 2010s, it's like they got a bunch of four star talent, but a lot of them were wide receivers. And yeah. so like you kind of look at it at the end of the day, and you're like, man, I would have traded that for a nose tackle some years, right? Like. I, you know, you would have traded some of these blue chip guys at these non-premier p- positions for a guard, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like that's just kind of how, uh, you know, that's just kind of how it works. I mean, I think that Baylor's best teams, I don't think it's a coincidence, is when Andrew Billings was there, right, at, a, mm-hmm. at nose tackle. And yeah. so, you know, I, I think that's the big thing, right? And so that's where just the total number starts to become an issue. And, uh, yeah, and, and I think that we saw it, obviously, with uh, with – some of Texas issues on the offensive line this year. And so it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting, but, uh, but moving on real quick. Okay. So, so Tom Herman is out uh, four seasons finished with a 32 and 18 record, which again, I think that in itself was good enough. Not great. Good enough. Um, So now (laughs) the new head coach at the university of Texas announced hours after Mm -hmm. the firing was announced it's Steve Sarkeesian. So just to run through Sarkeesian a little bit. So Sarkeesian is currently the offensive coordinator at Alabama. And if you know literally a damn thing about football, you know that Alabama's offense is pretty dang good. Mm-hmm. And uh, so before Alabama, he was a, an offense coordinator with the Atlanta Falcons for two years, uh, was actually at Alabama as an analyst before that. Um, you know, I, I think that we'd be remiss not to mention that he was the, the coach at Washington and then the coach at USC was let go after his second season because of some issues with alcoholism. And mm-hmm. um, that was something that he addressed during his introductory press conference. And that's something that Texas looked very deeply into. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and, and it sounds like he's got a good handle on it. Now, of course, we will, this is much bigger than football. So obviously we'll be hoping that, uh, that he's gotten the help that he needs and and that he's able to kind of uh, handle the situation. But 
from all indications, he's done everything the right way so far. So, uh, you know, we hope that that continues to be the case. But, uh, but yeah, it's an interesting hire because you mentioned, obviously, Urban Meyer was that guy. Urban Meyer was the home run. Urban Meyer was the, you know, the Jimbo Fisher to A&M thing of the class. And actually, I mean, even I, I think that one thing that we didn't mention in, in the Tom Herman stuff is that I think that A&M kind of rising the way that they have made everything feel even more dire uh, mm-hmm. with Tom Herman. But, Definitely. but so you have a guy in Sarkeesian who, you know, if you, if you knew that Urban Meyer was off the table, I, I mean, I think that that's probably best available, right? Because you're getting a coach who was an assistant at USC for many years when they were, uh, when they were obviously the um, national title caliber team actually even coached against Texas in the in the famous Rose Bowl when Vince Young uh, led them to a win mm-hmm. uh, and and obviously has been at Alabama for a couple of years so gotten to sort of learn from Nick Saban he's been a successful head coach at Washington was doing a good job it seemed at USC before some of the issues uh, ended up derailing him so you kind of have this mix of all these things where you have a guy who's been a head coach uh, had had some success and obviously has learned from Pete Carroll and has learned from Nick Saban, you know, some of the, the better coaches that there have been in the history of this sport. So uh, look, I, I think that we obviously could have said a couple of years ago, um, you know, this is kind of what we thought Tom Herman too, right? That he was mm-hmm. this, this perfect fit, but on paper, which games are played on paper, but on paper, this seems like a really good fit. I, the more I think about it, the more I like this hire a lot. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I think part of the reason why Del Conte also made this move was that I think that part of him was hoping that, you know, if, if giving Herman another year maybe would buy Urban Meyer another year, yeah. right? That potential thing. But apparently that NFL uh, news looks fairly legitimate and if it's not this year then he's probably that might just be his next venture in general so that ship might have sailed so i think he was like okay well let me get let me you know i I think shortly after that rumor those rumors started to float around he started to lay the groundwork for steve sarkeesian and yeah i i you have a guy who because everybody wants to talk about oh it's a saving assistant oh look at mike loxley oh look at jim mcelwain whatever the difference it's like so here's the thing (laughs) lane kippins also exist uh kirby smarts also exist like there have been and one one alabama's offense is also on another level right now like that's not it's not just like oh he's quarterback in Tua. no he's like mac jones is a first round pick now like (laughs) (laughs) come on um but he was also a good a decent to good head coach previously um which something mike loxley wasn't um which is something that you know a lot of these coaches who lane kiffin was probably a worse head coach than he was um you know and he looks uh, looks like a good hire right now um and yeah like i don't know like to me this is texas taking their kirby smart swing right because I, I i see a lot of parallels with mark richt and tom herman and the state of the programs where it's like they're good not great yeah. Um, you know, program for, for Georgia, um, you know, athletes were leaving Atlanta, going to Clemson, going to Bama, things like that. And they were like, okay, we got to keep these guys here. So they bring in, and everybody was like, why are you bringing in Kirby Smart? He has, you know, blah, 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 that's such a weird hire. And obviously it's turned out pretty great. Um, 
I think Texas looked at that and was like, okay, let's see what, let's see what this coaching tree does and let's see what this can reap because Steve Sarkeesian has always been a good to great play caller, right? I think you can look at his tenure in Atlanta, maybe a little bit polarizing, but uh, Washington, USC, good offenses. Um, I'd say Washington for what he was working with at the time, potentially great offenses. Um, I always go back. Was it, was he the head coach when they played Baylor in that great game with uh, Price and RG3? <laughs> yes, he was. Yeah, that was a, that was a fun game. That was a great game. So like, you know, those type of, he, he, he knows how to coach offense. He knows how to develop quarterbacks. Um, and again, when you're the, when you're the head coach of Texas, quarterback is the game. And I think that personal issues aside, they seem to be luckily, you know, behind him. And that was, to me, that was always the hangup with Steve Sarkeesian, right? In recent, in recent years, it was like, is this thing behind him? Because the last time he got a high profile job, you know, unfortunately that thing, it flared up and, and it cost him his job. Is that behind him? Is the pressure behind him? And it looks to be so. And okay, if that's the case, I don't see why you wouldn't take a swing because you're taking a, if you don't go after a Steve Sarkeesian, you're going after a, a James Franklin, you're going after a, you know, a Mario Cristobal. I don't know. Like it just doesn't seem like there's a home run hire out yeah. there. Yeah. And I think that this is as close to one as you can get. And, you know, um, I'm, I've been looking at some potential, um, staff hires he's gonna make yeah. it's like okay i like a lot of these names that i'm hearing like you're seeing uh i think kyle flood is the big mm -hmm. name to be his oc right now and that's like a, that's a great hire yeah. um the defensive coordinator position i'm looking at i mean <laughs> which is gonna be funny i'm seeing will muschamp potentially yeah. returning yeah. but jokes aside will muschamp's a damn good defensive coordinator oh, yeah. um i'm seeing marcus freeman's name come up there from cincinnati like this staff i mean Nick, we say what you want about Nick Saban's uh, coaching tree and how inconsistent it is. His name carries weight, and people want to coach for guys who coach for Nick Saban. Yeah. Oh, no question. And you know, so so you mentioned those guys. Uh, I, I think that yeah, Muschamp has really emerged as a name. And I know all the jokes. I know all the the fun. And guess what? If he's in the state, we will have a lot of fun with that. But yeah, he's a damn good coordinator, he's, though. <laughs> he's up there in terms of the best coordinators. The issue is that, you know, at Florida and South Carolina, he's not a good head coach. <laughs> he has to be responsible for the offense a little bit, too. And uh, right. that's uh, troublesome. Um, you know, some of the other names that, I, that we've seen are, uh, we've, we've heard rumors of Tosh Lupoy, uh, the, the former defensive line coach from Alabama, uh, who is considered one of the best recruiters in the game. Um, mm -hmm. We've heard Blake Gideon uh, has been another thing that uh, Football Scoots reported. So, like these are a lot of really interesting, really good guys, and um, you know, obviously, we'll have to see kind of how this comes together. It's always, you know, whenever a guy gets a new job, there's always all these rumors. You don't necessarily know where it's going to go, but mm -hmm. I think that all of these guys, I think if if the, if you could let any of these guys, I think that all sure. of them would be really good options. Um, and the thing is, right, like I think that I think that it's just really interesting uh, the guys that are mentioned too because. You talk about uh, you talk about Muschamp. That's obviously a guy who has seen Texas be successful and kind of has seen what it takes. Obviously, at one mm -hmm. point was the head coach in waiting at Texas. Um, you know, so I think that he'd be a great hire. Uh, Marcus Freeman. You know, they they recruit the state of Texas. You know, because uh, mm -hmm. you know being at Cincinnati, and 
obviously, you know, Sarkeesian is kind of, uh, you know, when you're at USC, especially like you got to do sort of a national approach to recruiting just because of the dynamics in the state of California. Right. And so Mm -hmm. this is a guy who's done a little bit of everything. And, uh, and look, I don't think that in the world of being the head coach of Texas, there's any guarantees of anything. Like, I just think that (laughs) you just don't know until it happens, but I think that you look at all the pieces that you look for in a successful hire. You look at, uh, you know, what do they bring to the table? And I think that Sarkeesian very explicitly brings offensive schematics to the table. And I think that he brings it in a way that Texas can accomplish. You know, like, yes, obviously you have kids like Devontae Smith and you have kids like Jalen Waddle and you have, you know, players like Tua who make things a lot easier. Like you can't necessarily do that every single play anywhere, but at, at the University of Texas, you can recruit – I'm not saying that you're guaranteed that level of receiver, but you can rec- recruit receivers like that in Texas. Uh, I'd argue that Oklahoma's showing that you can get that <laughs> level of receiver from Texas. Right, right, <laughs> right. their top three receivers are uh, – okay, the, uh, a quick aside. That was the other thing was, like, watching that bowl game. I was like uh. – Charleston Rambo, Marvin Mims, and Theo, we, they're literally just running with te- guys who Texas should have had. Like, well, and and then I watched the playoff game a few days later and was like, damn it, Garrett Wilson and Jackson Smith and Shigba, man, right. couldn't have gone to a Texas school. So, 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 yeah, I think there are Devontae Smiths and Jay. Oh, Jalen Watt is literally from yeah. Texas. No, no, no. So, no. Like, I, there's that all, too. All I'm saying is that there's no lock that, that any receiver that you ever get will be that good. Like, right, that's, right, that's sure. Fair I mean. enough. That's fair enough. But, but, but yeah, like, <laughs> there are guys you worth taking a swing at definitely <laughs> yes if, you if might you are, want to get one of them right no i mean the texas produces the best receivers in the nation right yeah. like that's just straight up facts like they, they right. just do um there was a know, quote that i wanted to get uh that he said during his intro press conference that yeah um let me see yeah and, and just real quick uh right. yeah you know that you can get that level of receiver in the state of texas you know that you can get that level of quarterback in the state of texas obviously mm-hmm. You know, all attention, I'm sure, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm not saying that it was his first phone call, but one of his first phone calls was likely to Quinn Evers, right? Like, just saying, yeah. hey, hey, man. I'm here. Right. Hey, let me, hit me up when you, when you get yeah. some time. Uh, listen, I know that, uh, I know that you, you know, you heard some nice things from Ryan Day. Well, what if I told you that I coordinated one of the only offenses that was better than that, right? <laughs> yeah, like, seriously. And, uh, you know, what if, I, what if I told you that I turned Mac Jones into a Heisman finalist? You know, this mm-hmm. guy who was supposed to be this afterthought in his recruiting class behind Tua. Like, it was crazy, you know? And, and uh, yeah, I mean, you can get that level of player in this state. And, and you mix it, obviously, with our good offensive line recruits. I think that there are good offensive linemen on campus who just need to be coached up a little bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that all the pieces are there for Texas to be this dynamic offense. Um, yeah. We'll have to see what happens. Here's the quote, which to me shows, I mean, this is the job right here. We cannot, uh, this is from Steve Sarkeesian's opening press conference. We cannot let the top talent in the state of Texas leave the state of Texas. Yep. Yep. Like that, that, that is the job. 100%. That is what, when Tom Herman was riding high, that was what he was able to do well. That is what Charlie Strong failed to do. That is what at his peak Mac Brown was able to do and why he wasn't able to hold on to that uh, toward the end of his, his tenure. That is literally the job, is yeah. keeping the state of Texas roped off. You're going to lose guys to Oklahoma, okay? You're going to lose guys maybe to LSU. Consistently losing guys to Ohio State, Alabama, uh, now Utah uh, for some reason, <laughs> um, Georgia. Like, that's inexcusable. Yeah. And hey, here, here's another thing that I'll say. Texas in this past recruiting class 
signed two wide receivers. They've got another commit who hasn't signed yet, but they signed two wide receivers. Yeah. Neither of them are from the state of Texas. Right. How the, how the <laughs> hell do you even do that? Right. Like and, <laughs> you and have I'm, to go, they, they literally looked and was like, well, there's nothing here. We got to, we got to go somewhere else. I mean, honestly, I understand like every year is individual, every player is individual, every recruitment is individual. Like I don't want to like, I don't want to overemphasize like the idea that you have to do everything in Texas, but sure, sure. you know, it, I, I even think back to a couple of years ago, uh, 2018 or whatever it was when it's like, you signed two quarterbacks and one was from Oklahoma and one was from California. Like you don't need to do that in this state. You don't, you don't need to sign Cameron rising in case. Thompson. No, Casey Thompson looks great. Right. Like Casey yeah, Thompson yeah. looks like he's going to be really good. Um, you know, and they did sort of counter that with Hudson card and Jaquinda Jackson last year, sure. but like, you don't need to go somewhere else for receivers. You don't mm-hmm. need to go somewhere else for quarterbacks. And honestly, you shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> I right. promise you, you can find one quarterback in a recruiting class from the state of Texas. I promise <laughs> you. <laughs> you know, right. so, um, you know, I, I think that, I think that obviously that's the right minds to come in with. And it is interesting, you know, kind of reading some of the, the postmortem stuff on Tom Herman, because I do think that he got that. You know, I do think that, like, he understood the idea that we need to get the best players in Texas. And, and yeah, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of confusing to understand why it didn't happen, honestly. I think so. Yeah. I think that one, the defensive defense was obviously the issue, the big issue um, towards the end. And Chris Ash seemed to sure up some things, but by that time, the whole team was just kind of inconsistent and the offensive play calling just the offense took a step back this year as well. So that they couldn't really get on the same page, um, both sides of the ball. I mean, and so I'm wondering, and so the thing I, I'm trying to think of a way to word this. So I think that overall, um, it's, for lack of a better way to describe it. I mean, development. Yeah. Yeah, that's it, right? It's like that's it. we mentioned we mentioned the the court the the secondary class that Jason Washington brought in his second mm-hmm. year, like insane, insanely regarded, one of, ever. one of the best, probably probably like the the most highly regarded class since that national title team with Griffin and Huff and all those guys. Yeah, and like you had a surefire NFL safety just plateau, right? In Caden Stearns. And I think that was like, in summary, that was like the, uh, the whole tenure in, you know, in a, in a nutshell, because Caden Stearns, there's no reason Caden Stearns couldn't have turned into the best safety since Earl Thomas. And he should have, he should have. And I think when you have a player like that, who flashes that his freshman year and then doesn't get better and may even regress, I think you have to start looking at development. You do. Um, yeah. Because he came in as a good product and he left as a yeah, okay product. <laughs> um, and then no, you didn't, de- you don't develop any corners um, or at least no one gets better from where they were. And you kind of have Joseph Osai and that's kind of, and I guess Coburn and Overshone. And then as far as like good to top talent, that's kind of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Listen, uh, I'm, not, I'm not at all saying that this was his fault, but I saw way more videos and tweets about Yancey McKnight than I saw results. 
<laughs> like that's just, yeah. <laughs> I, I saw a lot of talk about wow man he's getting him right and then yeah. they came out on the field and they were not right you know mm-hmm. and so uh, again i'm not i'm not blaming the strength staff by any means but that's that's a part of it right sure. and yeah no it's, it's it's it falls on you know herman's guidance is right. you know these guys and it's part of the reason why i think so the thing that uh tom herman's 10 years ahead coach because i'm real i'm really curious to see what his next move is yeah um I think so far his tenure as a head coach has been one that struggled to deal with expectation. Yeah. I think that you look at his Houston first year at Houston, you know, he comes in, he's like, okay, is this Ohio state cool offensive coordinator wins a national title? Well, one, the, uh, the Ohio state, uh, the national title year also did not have a lot of expectation, right? He just Mm -hmm. kind of came in and nuked Alabama and just like (laughs) won a national title with a third string quarterback Um, goes to Houston, you know, it's like, okay, this guy should be pretty fun. Just again, lights the world on fire. Oh my gosh, this team is great. Comes in the next year. eh, They're kind of okay. Yeah. Um, They definitely have a, they definitely have some huge letdown losses against SMU and things like that. But again, uh, expectations built up uh comes to texas okay let's see what this guy can do he's you know should be should be pretty good should be better than charlie strong okay they they trying to struggling to find a quarterback his first year ends pretty promising okay we'll see what they do in year two. Oh my gosh they win the sugar bowl okay cool and then yeah. all of a sudden uh, expectation right and all of a sudden you have conference title implications and national title hopes and it's like oh uh, all of a sudden here you go you know, uh, this year, uh, Oklahoma's worst, worst team in, in years. It's like, okay, here's the chance for Texas to, to move, in, move ahead in the Big 12. Doesn't happen. Right. And so everything we heard, I mean, we joke about it, but, I mean, Tom Herman as an under, underdog literally is, like, the, <laughs> the, uh, the best version of Tom Herman. <laughs> right, right. You know, I, I, think, I think it's going to be interesting because, you know, for Herman, I'm curious. I feel like probably – what he'll end up doing is I, I think he should probably take a year off i don't think they should rush into anything the, this timing obviously makes i don't think you should worse. rush into another head coaching job yeah i'm i'm curious uh you know because i i <laughs> one of my friends i saw threw around uh you know should should herman uh should, should aranda try to get herman as office coordinator i'm like man ooh, i i don't know i think i feel like i feel like if you're herman what you want is you want to step into like an established team culture, you know, 100%, like, 100%. and, um, you know, I mean, like this won't happen. I just want to put this out, but you know, for example, right. Like if he were to get the offensive coordinator job at Alabama, like mm-hmm. this won't happen, right. But it would be an interesting fit, right? Like somebody, somebody's going to tell him to shut the hell up when he needs to <laughs> shut the hell up. Right. Like, right. like you, you can't be, I mean, you know, again not that he would have gotten this job right but like if he had gone to texas tech and mm-hmm. and coached under matt wells right because they had an opening at the you know earlier like that wouldn't make any sense right you can't have him in a position where factions could form right mm-hmm. like like that's a big thing and that's why i mean that's why a lot of these guys you know we joke about the saban rehab right whatever for, for bad coaches but like that's why they go to be like an analyst for a year right because like they don't want to be an oc at fiu or something and just like right. you know the coaching staff could get fired or like they have a little bit more cachet they might have more cachet than the head coach and it's like there's like just put me around structure for a year and right. then we'll see right that's what sarkeesian did that's what i mean Char- i'm pretty sure charlie strong did that too like it was just yeah, like i think he just, now. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what he said. Yeah, that's where he is now. And so it's like, okay, just give me around structure. I don't need to call anything. I don't need to be in charge of anything. Just put me around Nick Saban and this environment for a year. Let me see what's going on, and maybe I can jump on as a, an as, a actual assistant next year or something. But yeah, I think I think that's the move. I think that because one, he's forty five. Like mm-hmm. he, he's he's somebody who has a long, potentially twenty years still right. left in his coaching right. career. You don't want to pull. I mean, I hate to say it. You don't want to pull a Charlie Strong yeah. and go to USF and ruin your head coaching prospects for potentially five to ten years. Right. Um. And so. And again, I want to stress: Tom Herman was a good, not great coach. <laughs> There's that shouldn't be like a, a, a absolutely um, devastating thing for and, his and career. I want to. I want to add on top of that. He's a good, not great coach. Like at Texas, at a very mm-hmm. difficult place to be a head coach, right? Like, sure, sure. you know, I mean, I, I think that it's kind of interesting. You, you mentioned the underdog thing, first of all, but like, um, you know, he kind of uh, made his hay by being offensive coordinator at Iowa State. That's how he yeah. became a thing, right? And Texas State, yeah. <laughs> right, and, uh, and Rice, you know? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're talking about these, these staffs, obviously, and, and obviously goes to Ohio State, and in a year where they kind of lose everything is really the year when they – when they break out right mm-hmm. and um and so for example i mean again not not saying that he should or could take any of these jobs but it's like if in the state of texas for example right like if he was at a at a texas tech right mm-hmm. like is is where every game basically you know you're going in as some level of underdog you know like yeah. is that a situation where he thought i have no idea i i literally have no idea but um yeah. i see i see a lot of parallels between him and you know i, I always use the the Lane Kiffin comparison in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. Just because it's it's really simple, but like I really do see a lot of yeah. similarities where it's like, okay, Lane Kiffin flamed out at USC. Yeah. Okay. Like he's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh no, he couldn't. You know, it was the the one of the hardest jobs, biggest profile jobs in the country was too big for him at the time. Okay. Yeah. Um, and like, but but the thing is, he didn't go and be another head coach somewhere. <laughs> yeah. He got humbled, right? He grew up a little bit. He put himself around structure. Then he worked his way back up, went to FAU. Now he's at Ole Miss, right? Yeah. I think that's the path. I don't yeah. think he should rush in. I don't know if he should take a year off, but he should definitely take a year off at least from being a head coach. Like, do right. not go into don't run. a job. Because there's no what, – what job is good right now? Well, Boise. But How would you – no. Boise's Boise not hiring him. <laughs> Boise's no, not no, hiring him. No, no, they shouldn't hire him. But no, it's, a, it's a great job. Yes, yes. Yeah, oh, job. yes. It's a great job. But they're not hiring him. Yeah. What what job that Tom Herman could get right, right. is good right now. What right. Tennessee? <laughs> like, come on, Tennessee is a poison chalice. Well, and and um, you know, real quick, and then we'll we'll move on to the closing stuff. But um, yeah. you know, I I think that that's one thing that I hope that Steve Sarkeesian does bring to the table is he has dealt with something that's obviously far bigger than the pressure of football, right? Mm-hmm. Something so much bigger in his life. Um, and, and again, just from us, you know, we hope that, that he's got a good handle on it. But, like, it's so much bigger than football to have to deal with something like that. And so I personally hope, and I think that the way that, this, that we would like to see this work, is I hope that having that very public battle, which is something that he addressed yesterday in his intro press conference, um, you know, that – that that sort of adds a level of perspective for him, you know, that, mm-hmm. that obviously there's all these pressures of, of being the head coach at Texas, but you know, like 
if you're not the best version of yourself, none of it's going to matter. Right. And so, um, you know, that's one thing that, that I think could be really interesting is, is like football coaches are such grinders, right? Like they're Mm -hmm. such like, I got to be going a million miles per hour all the time. And, and Steve Sarkeesian had kind of that moment where it was all taken from him and he had to kind of take a step back and, and uh, you know, start over to some extent. And, uh, and I hope that that's done him some good. And I think that that perspective, uh, you know, hopefully will be really valuable for him as he becomes the head coach of Texas. And um, let's close with this. Mm-hmm. So, Obviously, uh, there's still a lot of decisions to be made roster-wise, but looking at especially this offense next year for Texas, right? Like, let's let's just at least start with that. What do you think that Steve Sarkeesian can accomplish, and and who do you kind of think are going to be the guys he's going to rely on to get there? On this offense? Yeah. Man. Uh, first of all, I, I got, I kind of wonder if he, does he, does he see his quarterback there? Yeah. You know? Um, I mean, I think Hudson Card's obviously a talent. Uh, Casey Thompson's obviously looked really good in the bowl game. Um, but you got to wonder, like, does, does he see his guy there? Um, and, and one um, thing I'll ask from that perspective sure. is I think that Casey Thompson looked really effective at running the Tom Herman offense, right? Fair, like, fair, I think fair. that he did that at a really high level. And, um, you know, one thing that I said, even when they, when they both were recruited, when, when Hudson Card and Jaquindon Jackson were both recruited, is that I felt like Jaquindon Jackson was a great fit for Tom Herman's system. Yeah. Whereas Card, you know, obviously Card can move plenty as well too. Like he's not a statue by any means, but right. like is Card maybe a better fit for what, uh, what Sarkeesian might want to do. I don't know. Sure. Yeah, no, that's fair. I think that, <clears throat> I think to me, based off this season, it revolves around B. John Robinson. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously I think returning, I'm trying to think of returning. I mean, he's, he's their best player returning, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah on okay. offense at least. So yeah, at least on offense. Um, so I think it starts with him, right? He obviously coming from Bama, you have, <clears throat> a stable of running backs that you're able to rely on, but obviously Najee Harris was, was a big part of that. And I think that having an established talent at running back, I don't want to say makes things easier, but makes things easier to structure. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, we got this option right here. Let's see whatever the hell is going on elsewhere. Um, so I, I think it starts with him. And I think that for next year, it might, end with him too like i mean because yeah. like you're, you're gonna be you're gonna be trying to figure out what hudson card has or if you don't think you know you have a quarterback there whoever they bring in the transfer window or whatever or casey thompson um but i mean until they get up to speed you know that's that's your guy and it, uh, everything else like wide receivers and all that you're you're doing a lot of projecting <laughs> right well and one thing that i do think is going to be a little bit of a blessing is I think that having that year of Mike Yersich might really be good for the development of these guys mm-hmm. because, you know, I think that Yersich and, and, uh, and Sarkeesian definitely aren't like exactly overlapped, but right. you're running some of the similar passing game concepts, right? Like you're doing some of these deep shots, you're doing some of these deep routes, um, you know, and as receivers, you're, you're doing a lot of, uh, a lot of, similar things at least right like you're not doing so much of the of the spread stuff you're doing a lot more downfield with your sitch than than we saw with just Herman mm-hmm. and you know so I wonder you know does that help Casey Thompson and and obviously Hudson Card uh, does that help them sort of be a little bit further along 
from that perspective. I, I don't know. And um, yeah, I mean, I think that the interesting thing in these first, I guess this first year or two, especially, is I just don't see the guys at receiver, right? Like, I just yeah. don't see the guys. Uh, you know, Brennan Eagles off to the NFL. He would have been, I think, one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jake Smith expected back. Uh, Jordan Whittington, you know, hopefully he can stay healthy. Josh Moore looked really good this year. Maybe he's one of those guys who can step into the slot and, and do some stuff. But, I mean, I especially look at that X receiver position, right? Like, mm-hmm. what do they have? They, they don't really even have, like, a guy who – who's like even as a recruit who I felt like could maybe step into that role necessarily. Like, I think that's going to be a real issue early for this offense. Now, again, I I think that also you look at these Alabama offenses and the slot guys are the guys who kind of make the money, right? Like, they're the the guys. Wasn't Waddle the slot guy last year? Yeah, Waddle's the slot guy. Obviously, uh, Devontae Smith plays a lot of the slot too. Like, that's just. I mean, yeah, they never found a replacement for for Devin DuVernay. Yeah. Um, I think people expected – Jake Smith, obviously, to kind of step into that. And unfortunately, you know, he was out. But, yeah, like, is he that guy? Maybe. I mean, he flashed something his freshman year. So, like, you know, who he maybe could be. Um, yeah. But um, he's coming off injury. So, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, from, from uh, you know, and maybe from that perspective, maybe a Troy O'Mary could be one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but, yeah, I just – I don't know if I see those guys right now. They don't have those dudes at receiver right now. And um, – and I think that that's probably the biggest thing that needs to change, right? Is is just they need to get some of those receiver guys. I'm trying to think. Uh, I mean, obviously, <laughs> obviously, this is assuming that you don't play Jatavian Sanders at receiver because if you do, buddy, we, we got a little something going there. But <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, I, I'm almost even curious. I'm trying to I'm trying to look at some of the uncommitted uh, kids from Texas. I mean, yeah, everybody's signed at this point is the issue. Yep. <laughs> in, the, in the 21 class. Oh, I forgot about Shadur Sanders going to Jackson State with his dad. But uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know. I, I don't know if there's sort of a best receiver available who could still be on their board. You know? Sure. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, circling back, like that's, that's the game, right? Like yeah. <laughs> watch looking at this list and seeing, you know, playmaking talent, not going to Texas, like, yeah. you know, how do you win? And that's kind of Del Conte looked at that and he's like, all right, something needs to happen because they're not turning it around. And I, you know, I, I guarantee you, like, you know, he's probably, you know, his mind's thinking about the national title right now, but the minute that's over, um, you know, he's going to be on the phone with the THSCA and getting in the rooms with the with the coaches and you know putting on ambassador hat to get in the recruiting uh, spaces and i wouldn't be surprised and i, I would i would hope that sarkeesian a non-native texan would take a page from the matt rule book and maybe hire a couple high school guys yeah um high profile high school guys because there are some that definitely deserve some uh, that def- that are definitely good enough to coach in the college ranks. Oh no, question. Um, and that was what Matt Rule was able to do to instantly ingratiate himself to the culture, and it paid dividends. And if you're Texas, it can. I mean, the sky's the limit for what that can do. Yeah, yeah, no question. Well, there are a couple of slightly bigger receivers who are unsigned out of Louisiana, but it. Mm-hmm. I mean, who knows? It just might be a little late for that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, and, and obviously the one thing that I guess I, we do need to address is like the transfer portal is going to be a big option this upcoming year, right? With the, mm-hmm. with the, the one-time transfer exception. So, 
you know, maybe maybe that's how you get a receiver. I'm trying to think if there are any receivers especially that that would step up but I mean I, I think that there's going to be some options but I think that that you look at this roster I think that the bones are there at offensive line right now I think that they there were a couple guys who who showed up and and looked kind of special mm-hmm. uh it's going to be really interesting though I mean that's I that is definitely going to be the thing that I think makes or breaks 2021 Texas is mm-hmm. whether they can get one or two more guys. They don't need a ton. They don't need, they don't need 10 of these guys, right? Sure, but sure. You need, I think that you need one or two guys who are going to be instant impact guys, and, and they have to be deep threats. They have to be guys who can win one-on-one battles, who can win outside, who can win inside. I, I think that uh, if they can get a guy like that, I don't know who that guy is right now, but if they can get a guy like that, I think you feel – pretty good about what this team can accomplish in 2021 so it's going to be really interesting to see we're definitely looking forward to getting to know uh coach Sarkeesian and way too early call what are your what's your win what's your wins way too oh, early call. oh boy oh boy okay so I would say so I'm, I'm trying to let me think of their non-conference real quick too um let me just pull that up uh I think that they I know they have Louisiana um which is not a fun game <laughs> Yeah, that's going to be a scary game. Okay, so they, they have versus Louisiana at Arkansas versus Rice. That's Ooh. that's that's not a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I I mean, we can joke about Rice, but they'll, they'll probably crush Rice. They'll um, crush Rice. They'll crush Rice. But Arkansas? <laughs> On the road. That's the road. scary. <laughs> in, in, in Steve Sarkeesian's second game as a head coach. So this, this just – yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna say that they lose one of those first two. Um, okay. It, nothing concerning. I just want to be clear about that, right? Like it's his first two <laughs> games as a head coach of Texas with a new quarterback, mind you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we assume, obviously, but um, but uh, I think that they go one and uh, two and one in, in non-conference play, and I'll, I'll pick them at. I, I think that they finish eight and five and win the bowl game. Okay. So I, I think they finish eight and five, and I think that's a perfectly fine season for a first-year head coach, brand new quarterback, a lot of turnover everywhere. I sure. do think I do think that the talent that's on campus right now, especially from this 2020 recruiting class, is really interesting. Like I think that they have guys there. I just don't think I don't think that they're going to be able to to create those mismatches outside right away. Right. And um, it's going to be a lot of steep. Like the thing about Sarkeesian this year, why I think he's <clears throat> what what's impressed me most is that. Uh, there was a stat I forgot, but he's he's basically schemed Alabama mm-hmm. to make up for Mac Jones' deficiencies. Yeah, um, people were comparing because like <clears throat> a lot of basic stats, you know, bare stats have uh, Mac Jones on Joe Burrow levels <clears throat> of production. <laughs> right. And there was some uh, there was a stat I cannot remember exactly what it was. But it was basically like, oh, Jones is just hitting like insanely open receivers. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and, um, you know, I don't think anybody was calling Mac Jones Joe Burrow, but I think it ju- it goes to show like, oh, okay, here, like there is something that Sarkeesian is able to do that's <clears throat> making it a lot easier for, you know, for uh, Mac Jones to hit these guys. And, you know, you have to hit them, fair enough. But like, you know, they're, they are running wide open and uh, they're, they weren't this open with Tua. I'll say that much. And yeah. so I think that there is something that Steve Sarkeesian is doing to free up a lot of these guys. And I think it shows he's capable of making up for deficiencies in quarterbacks or maybe deficiencies in wide receiver. Like, you know, he's able to scheme these guys open. So, yeah. Yeah. So 
I think it'll be really interesting. I think they'll be a good team. I think that they'll make strides. Um, again, it's it's a, just a first year as a head coach. I think is always a little bit of a transition. But mm-hmm. uh, but look, I think that I think that once he finds again, just like one or two of his guys at receiver, I think that that's going to make all the difference. And then you know the the thing that that Herman did really well these last two years was the level of defensive line talent coming in has been great, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, absolutely. And so you know you're going to have some of those guys on the roster, and you're going to you know if and the thing I'll say too is uh. Listen, I'm not I'm not saying that they're gonna get anybody, but if, if you land Will Muschamp and Tosh Lupoy, you're gonna have some crazy talent and development on the defensive mm-hmm. side of the ball. That's that's really what you look at, right? Like that's that's really going to be the thing that I think is gonna help them take a step forward. And I mean, for all the you know, the comments people still make, like the Big Twelve is becoming a pretty tough defensive conference, right? Oh and my god, yeah. In, and in fact, is becoming a pretty anemic offensive conference in, right. some, in some parts. Right. And, and like, that's the thing, too, that's going to be interesting is like, hey, man, everybody in the Big 12 drops eight at this point. Like, you got you to gotta figure out how to move the ball against that. So it's going to be really interesting. I think that, that Sarkeesian, from a football perspective, is definitely up for the, cha- the challenge. Um, and, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how he handles this. But uh, exciting stuff. I, again, I, man, don't think yeah. that, uh, I don't think that we expected this to happen right now. I thought that uh, there was a chance that we'd make it through the entire 2020-2021 offseason without a coaching change, which obviously right. obviously now I look like a fool, right? <laughs> uh, which I will say, by the way, 2022, uh, the, the next offseason is going to be real interesting with some of these guys oh, coming man, up. That might be that might be like Armageddon for yeah. <laughs> a lot of coaches. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be real interesting. Uh, obviously, the, the flip side is maybe, uh, maybe everything goes great and everybody's just excited. But You know what? Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Listen, I was encouraged by everything this year. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, exciting stuff. Steve Sarkeesian, the new head coach of Texas. Uh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting offseason for him. I think that more than anything, we are going to be keeping an eye on his staff choices. I think mm-hmm. we're going to be keeping an eye on whether he gets anybody from the transfer portal. Heck, I We'll see whether he lands any receivers that's transferred from Alabama. I, think I was about to say, we still got the – I mean, there there have been some recruiting swoops before, um, you know, which is why I think his, his uh, staff's going to come together fairly quickly because they do yep. got to – you know, they got to hit the next re- signing day. So, yeah. if you want to persuade a, a, a key recruit who's wavering somewhere else, you know, get a good hire and, you know, say, hey, come play for this guy. So Yeah, and, I mean, the thing that we've kind of said all offseason long too is that – without the evaluation window this past year, I think that there mm. are more underrated recruits than there almost ever have been just because mm-hmm. of this weird cycle. And so, man, you get, uh, you get one of those Texas high school coaches in the door, somebody who, you know, again, not, not these guys necessarily, but you know, somebody like Jeff trailer or Joey McGuire, right. what they've done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you get one of those guys in the door and, and I mean, Listen, you could you could have something, right? You could find some guys who who have been overlooked. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be real fun. So thanks as always, everybody, for joining us uh, for this special emergency podcast. We'll be back with you again as normal on Wednesday. Uh, again, you can like us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Text Football. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTFCFB. You can become a subscriber at textfootball.com slash subscribe. Ish, anything else? I uh, think we're good. We'll probably have some bowl recaps on Wednesday um, just to kind of give us give our thoughts on a lot going on as far as that's concerned. I guess yeah. we'll ignore Texas' Alamo Bowl win now because <laughs> that doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> we 
talk some Casey Thompson. Don't worry. But that's uh, fair. No, t- don't worry, Aggies. We'll get to you on Wednesday. I was about to say, yeah. About I, we you. know. We know that was a big bowl game last night. <laughs> Congrats on finally beating Mac Brown again. So. Ah! <laughs> anyway, thanks as always for joining us, and we'll talk to you guys real soon. <laughs>